The text for this morning's message will be found in Psalm 33. Psalm number 33. It's been a while since we've been in the Psalms, and I do like to visit them quite often in my own personal reading, uh, but also as a uh, church we need to live often in the Psalms. They are real-life theology. I've said that phrase many times. You see belief of God. You see somebody's relationship with God, whether it's David or another writer. You see that coming out in real-life situations in the book of Psalms. So it's good for us to be there. This morning, we're going to look at Psalm 33. We're going to read verse 1 down through verse 22. I don't know who the writer is. I have a suspicion it might be David, but regardless of who writes it, it is given to us by inspiration of God, and so it is helpful for us here and now in our day. Psalm 33, we're going to begin in verse 1. Psalm 33 and verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of His heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven, He beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of His habitation He looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike, He considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse, a horse is a vain thing for safety." Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord, for he is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Let's pray. Father, I come before you thankful this morning for the grace and the mercy that you've given us, Lord. I pray now that as we come to the, the hour of preaching that you would clear our minds of the heart uh, and our hearts of the distractions that might be there, even of the cares and the worries and the the things that would take our attention away from you this morning, Lord. I ask that you please um, speak to us through the principles here in your word and by your spirit. And you would help me simply to be a voice for you. Teach us just now, Lord. Lead us and guide us. 
thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I hope everybody had a good 4th of July, a time of relaxation, maybe a day off work or so, and got to spend some time with family and have some fun and fireworks. I got a better fireworks show right across the street from my house. I think I could see at a school or at a park. You know the kind that shake your eyeballs when they explode? Yeah, it's like nonstop. I don't know how the cops did not come, but it was fun for us. We just sit and watch them explode and dodge the shell casings as they're falling on the ground. It was, it was a pretty good time. 243 years. That's how old America is now. 243 years old. We live in quite a nation, don't we? What a nation that we live in. The, the things that we enjoy and the freedoms that we have. There's never really been one like America in history. There's been some great nations, some great empires, but when it comes down to the things that we enjoy and that we take for granted, there's never really been a nation quite like America. It's beautiful and it's diverse. It's diverse in landscape. You've got deserts and you've got mountains and you have oceans and you have plains. And usually you can just drive a few hours and see just about all of those. It's a beautiful landscape that we have. And it's beautifully diverse in the people that are here. All kinds of cultures, all kinds of ethnic backgrounds that combine to make us who we are. I, I like the fact I can go just a few minutes down the road and have really good Asian food or really good Italian food or really good Mexican food. That's part of what I love about America. The, the blending of all of these cultures to make us who we are. There sure are things to love about this nation, but I think most of all is the freedom that we have. The freedom that we have, the liberty that is so precious to us. That, that subject has been on my mind quite a bit, especially with the holiday coming up, but maybe so much the more with things that are going on in culture, some things that were mentioned this morning. We have a lot of freedom to enjoy. We have a lot of freedom to count precious. You've got the freedom to work and go earn a living. If you want something... In America, you go out, you work for it, you earn the money, and you can buy it. That's the beauty of capitalism and the danger of socialism. People think this is some newfound thing, that they can get everything for free and everybody should work to support them. That's not how we work. That's not what this company, or this company, this country was built on. In fact, it will be the ruin of this country. We have the freedom to go out and earn and make a living and buy the stuff that we want to. That's a wonderful freedom. That we enjoy. We have freedom from oppression, right? There's nobody who is enslaving us, though we might say so. Oh, we are oppressed by the man. We are pushed down by the upper class. Usually that's people who are too lazy to work to do anything that are saying that. We're not under oppression of anybody. We're free to do what we want, to do what we choose. And that's a wonderful thing that many people have died for. Think of all the soldiers that have fought oppressive regimes that have tried to take over nations or even to attack us here on our own soil. Our soldiers have given their very lives to keep us free from oppression. 
But most of all, the most important is that we have the freedom of religion. That's why people came to this continent in the first place. Was to be free to worship God as each one saw fit. It's a beautiful thing that not only can we worship how we see fit, but other faiths can too. You understand that? Somebody can be a Muslim in America and it's okay. Somebody can be a Catholic in America, it's okay. Somebody can be a Hindu or a Buddhist. That's part of the beauty of this country. And though I may see grave error and falsehoods in those things, they are just as free as we are to worship. And that's part of what it means to be an American. These freedoms are blessings. These freedoms are precious. They're not to be taken for granted, but we should be very thankful for them. Our founding fathers knew this. Our founding fathers knew the importance of these freedoms. And though beliefs varied widely across them, between them, they knew that importance of freedom and that this could only be done with the help of God and it would only be by the hand of God. And so that's why we have some of these principles that have been put in place in America from the start. Okay? All that to say that God has truly blessed America. His people have enjoyed 243 years of freedom to worship Him. Freedom to praise Him. And we ought to for that freedom. We ought to praise God for the country that we live in. Not become jaded to it. Not become used to it or take it for granted. But praise Him greatly. Because even in this day, in this age, there are people who are not so free to worship Him. There are countries into which to worship God means a death sentence. We ought to praise God. And it seems that's where this psalm starts. Okay? Again, I, I don't know who writes this. There's no title given. But it seems to me that maybe the author here was perhaps considering some of the things in his own nation. Some of the freedoms and some of the maybe changes that were going on in his own nation. Looking at the goodness of God, looking at the providence of God, and maybe seeing some of the depravity of man. Some of the things I find in my own heart this morning, and I pray that will be helpful to you. It starts out with praise. God has been very good to us. God has been very merciful and very gracious to us, and we ought to praise Him for it. Look in verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. There is much for us as the people of God to rejoice in. This is a call for His people, right? Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. He's talking to those who know Him, those who are following Him. We ought to be praising Him. Because we know Him. You know in your life God's mercy. You know in your life, as I do in mine, God's grace and God's love. And we know all of that He has poured into our life and all that He has done for us. He is certainly worthy of our praise. 
We also know what it's like to be truly free. Romans 8 tells us this, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. We have been set free from sin through Christ. We have been forgiven of our sins by faith in Him. Freed from that master that would keep us a slave forever, sin, death, and Satan. We are freed by Christ. Freed to serve Him. That's a paradox the world does not understand. You see, the more I serve Christ, the freer I am. I'm not coming in bondage to Christ. The more that I serve Christ, the more that I give my life to Him, the more freedom I find in Christ. And that's why we do what we do. And if you know that this morning, then you ought to praise Him for it. What does it say there in the end of verse 1? For praise is comely for the upright. It's beautiful. It's fitting. It's something that fits us. We ought to be a people of praise. Not a people of grumbling or mumbling or complaining. Or a people of dissatisfaction. You can find that a lot in, in today's society, can't you? People are dissatisfied. They're always looking for more. They're always complaining about what they have and how they could have it so much better or they wish they had this or that and not being thankful for what they have right here and right now. That ought not to be found in the people of God. Praise is fitting for the upright. When people meet us in our life or when people come through these doors or when people meet us in general, you know what ought to be coming from us? Praise for God who has given us all things. How are you doing today? I am blessed. Well, you might sound weird. Right? Why don't, why don't we say things like that? How are you doing today? My canned answer is, oh, it's another day. That's just what I say. Now, what kind of a witness is that? It's just another day. I'm here trying to get through it. What if, I, what if I was to reply, you know what, God has been so gracious, I'm thankful to be here, God has been so good to me. What kind of a witness would that be? See, praise is fitting for those who know Him. Look what he says in verse 2, Praise the Lord with a harp, singing to Him with the psaltery. By the way, the psaltery would have been this right here. The psalm... Psalms is the songbook of the Bible. Praise Him with the psaltery, with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. Don't be quiet about your praise. No, we ought to sing to Him. We ought to use skill to praise Him and instruments. We ought to use our whole life because we have much to praise Him for, don't we? I don't know if you've ever done this. Or if you've ever taken time in your life to sit down and write out all the blessings that God has given you. When you truly start to think about it, that list is going to grow and grow and grow. And you'll find yourself with a whole list of things to praise God for. Too often we ask Him why He hasn't. Too often we ask Him why He won't. How about we thank Him for what He has done? Look in verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right, and His works are done in truth. He loved right; he loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Look in your own life. Has He not kept His word each and every time? Has He not done what He has said in the Scriptures? 
The word of the Lord is right. We ought to praise Him in that. He has worked and done just as He said. His works are done in truth. God does what He says. Is not your life and yes, even the world as a whole full of the goodness of the Lord? I can stand before you and say this morning, my life is full of the goodness of God. I don't deserve it. I've done nothing to earn it, but God has been good to me. I think you would say the same this morning. So we ought to praise Him. Don't let your praise lapse into silence. See, it's very easy for us to get distracted, isn't it? It's very easy for us to get disgruntled, bitter, downright self-centered at times. You know how many people I've seen not lift their voice in song because they didn't like the song? You know how many people I've seen focus too much on the blessings or the lack thereof to even pray? There is a tendency for us to get too focused on the blessings rather than the one who gave them, especially in America. There is such a consumer mindset that runs rampant through society today. Selfish. Self-centered. And listen, it is even prevalent in centers of worship. It's all about me. What can you do for me? What are you going to give me that I like? What are you going to give me right now? What do you offer me? What can I get from you? You see that in the world? Oh, yeah. And that can carry over this this mindset of it's all about me and what I think I should have and what I think God should do for me. It can carry over into our, our lives. And there's, listen man, we can get pretty foolish. What happened, Lord? I only made 100,000 this year. Which isn't me, by the way. Some people will be doing cartwheels if that could be the case. I only made this much. What's going on, God? I thought you were going to bless me. I couldn't get that new car. Or the house. Taxes went up. My lawn died. That sounds silly, but I'm going to say 90% of those who profess to be Christian probably have that mindset. What happened, God? Why didn't you do this for me? I thought you were supposed to bless me. You see, the focus can get on God. The focus can get off of God and us. It's not on God, it's on us. And what I have and what I think and what I want and... We can turn blessings into God rather than God, can't we? Especially here and the freedoms that we enjoy. That self-centered mindset, that self-centered mindset, I think has turned the hearts of so many in this nation away from God. 
They see the goodness of God, and I'm talking about goodness of God just across society. The blessing of freedom, the blessing of the capitalistic society which we live in, and all that, that we enjoy here as Americans, I believe that is straight from the hand of God. And they have seen the goodness of God, and rather than praising Him for it, it has been self-focused and has turned their hearts away from the one who gave it. Could it be that we have taken the freedom that we have for granted and become complacent, lazy, and selfish? What about God's people? Have we done that? I think we have. Galatians 5 says this, For brethren, ye have been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Of course, we know the context that Paul is talking in. We've been liberated by Christ, set free by Christ to serve Him. We serve Him in freedom from sin and death. We serve Him in freedom from temptation and trial that would drag us down. We have victory over that through the Spirit. We have victory over that in Christ. And yes, some use that grace in Christ as a license to sin. They do whatever they want because they cover it with grace. Well, of course we know that's wrong, but I don't believe it's that far of a stretch to say perhaps we have used the liberty that we live in not only in Christ, but America, for the flesh. And not for Him. Okay, what does that have to do with praise? I thought we started off on praise. How did we get here? You see, true worship is not about me. True worship is not about you. It's not about the stuff. It's about God. It's about God. It's about all that He has done, who He is, all that He has given. He is the source. He is the focus. So it's about His grace and my gratefulness. True worship keeps us humble and dependent and thankful to God, doesn't it? You see, He is almighty and I am unworthy. And I think the writer's moving through that kind of a mindset. Look at verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of him by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth up the waters of the sea together. You ever try to hold water in your hand? You think you can gather up some water? No, we can barely hold what hands, yeah, we can barely hold what fits in our hand. Much less make a pile of water. That ain't going to happen, not with God. He gathereth up the waters of the sea as a heap. He layeth up the depth in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spake and it was. You notice done is in italics. He spoke and it was. Literally in Genesis, light be and light was. That is the power of the God whom we served. He commanded and it stood fast. God is surely awesome. He is surely worthy of all of our praise. We know His power. We know His love. We know His grace. Should not the world hear that from His people? You know what the world needs to hear? Not what God has given us in our bank account. Not what God has given us on four wheels. Not what God has given us to live in. But who God is. That's what they need to hear from us. How He is almighty in power. How He is 
gracious in His mercy to us and how He seeks to save all men. Worship is about Him and we ought to worship and proclaim Him so that they may worship Him. Doesn't it say there in verse 8, let let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him? But beloved, we got to stand in awe of Him first. We have to first. You see, He is the goal of praise. Not the amount or type of blessing. God is the goal. That is why the poorest slave can praise just as much as the richest free man. And this is also a reminder, I I believe, to us. I think this is perhaps what the writer had in mind as he sees some things around him and as we see some things around us happening. We ought to lift our hearts and our voices and our very beings in praise to God who is almighty who spoke and everything was. In fact, the whole world ought ought to. Because some things around us might get tough. As we see our precious freedom slip away bit by bit. We see that happening today, don't we? We see attacks against it mounting. We see the direction of Society going that way. You must know first, God knows. God knows exactly what's going on. He is the Almighty One. He is the One who made everything. He is the One who holds all together. The One whom we praise. He knows. I want you to skip down to verse 13. The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of His habitation, He looks upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioned their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. There's nothing going on outside of God's notice. There's nothing that surprises Him where He says, Whoa! How did that happen? No, He's watching all things. He knows what's in the hearts of man. He knows the devices and the schemes. He's watching. Sometimes we ask Him if He is, right? Sometimes we ask Him, Lord, don't You see? Don't You see what's going, in this, going on in this world or what's going on in America or what's going on in California or even what's going on in my home and my family? Don't You see, Lord? He does. He knows. And He is watching. He knows our hearts. He knows the goodness of our hearts along with the depravity of our hearts. It doesn't surprise Him. It doesn't catch Him off guard. And may I say the the leaders of this world don't intimidate Him either. Look in verse 16. There's no king saved by a multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. or A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. There might be some mighty men in the world that have a lot of influence or that might command great armies. They don't worry God. Though we might be fearful, God's not. He knows exactly what's going on. They don't concern Him like they concern us. But listen, there's certainly some things going on right now that are concerning, aren't there? 
There's some things going on in our country that are frightening. There's godless leaders on both sides of the aisle that are making decisions, formulating laws that are a direct assault on our liberties. Liberties that were put in place at the very founding of this country by the founding fathers in our founding document. Things that are a part of the fabric of America are now trying to be undone. And these leaders, oh listen, they have an agenda. Whether they know it or not, they have an agenda. You know, I I think there are some probably who are actually trying to do what they think is best. May not be right, but they are trying to do what they think is best. And I think there are some people who are doing what they're paid to do. Maybe not hostile, maybe not um, trying to do what's best for the country. They're They're doing what they're getting paid to do. And then I think there are some who are hostile toward the liberty that we enjoy. And all those who oppose what the Bible says, they're following an agenda that is being pushed by Satan to erase God, to erase biblical standard, and to erase the worship of Him from all of society. That's the bottom line. That's the end goal, really, of all of these other things that might be going on, whether it's freedom to bear arms or freedom of speech, whatever it is. The end goal is to erase God, biblical standard, and worship of Him. It's an attack against Bible. It's an attack against God. It may happen in different forms, but that's the end agenda of Satan. You think he's happy with the past 243 years where we have been able to worship in freedom? No. No, he's not. So he's trying to work to take that away. And we are living in the day and age where we see that ramping up. Now, first, we must recognize that that's happening. We must call it what it is. And also, remember the God who we serve. Look in verse 10. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of His hearts to all generations. Listen, as we see these things take place, do not forget, man may try. Man may counsel together. Man may come up with devices. Man can legislate and lobby all that he wants. God's purposes will stand. The church will not be killed by legislation. The Scriptures will not be silenced by the schemes of man. They may try to suppress us. They may try to silence us. They can try. They have tried. It hasn't worked. See, God's purpose stands. Pharaoh is dead. We are still here. Caesar is dead. And we are still here. And Satan one day will be done. And we will live on forever. Why? Because God's purposes will stand. And man's counsel, man's devices will be brought to nothing in the end. While man's 
devices are brought to nothing, His promises will endure to all generations. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Man may try. He cannot frustrate. He cannot detour. He cannot kill what God has commanded. That ought to put a fire within our hearts, a solid ground beneath our feet to know that even though we might face opposition, we serve the Almighty One whom man cannot overcome. Oh, we have much to praise Him for, don't we? (laughs) We can hear these things going on and ask, Why, Lord? And it can cast our hearts down. We can stand up and know, hey man, they can try. But God's purposes will stand. You see, the same salvation that John the Baptist preached, the same salvation that Jesus preached, saved me and my children. The same salvation that The apostles preached as they gave their life for it. Save me and my children. The same salvation that was preached by those who were sewn up in animal skins and used to light the streets of Rome. The same salvation that those who were fed to the lions for sport in the Colosseum. Saves me and my children. The same salvation that was preached by those who were burned at the stake throughout the dark ages and all down through history. This same salvation and way of service that has been bought by the blood of millions of martyrs saved me and my children and it will save people till He comes back. You see, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Man can try. doesn't frustrate what the Scriptures say. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. If America goes south, it doesn't change what the Bible says. It doesn't end it. God's purpose stands. We stand as His people. We're witnessing a turning point, beloved. A turning point in history, I believe. Look what verse 12 says. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. We have been blessed. Because God has been our Lord. Or the Lord has been our God. Either way is the same. We have been blessed for 243 years, have we not? And if America continues to recognize God as she has, we will continue to be blessed. And I pray that happens. I pray that happens. But I look around and I see it fading. I see the blessing hand of God being withdrawn bit by bit because we turn bit by bit from Him as a whole. And by the way, the word blessed carries the idea of happiness too. Used to be you could walk down the street maybe 40, 50 years ago, say hi to your neighbors and get a glass of lemonade or whatever it was, and you knew your neighbors and you had a relationship because people were happier, weren't they? Now, 
Maybe not so much the case. Some of that has faded. A lot of it has faded in society. You don't think that's a result of us turning our back on God? I think it is part of it. Listen, if we, if we as a nation would hold to the things that we were founded on, we would see the blessing of God more than we do. And if we continue down this road, we're going to face His wrath. We know that. We understand that. So where do we, who are His people, fall in the mix? First thing you need to know is that we too are blessed. Look what it said in verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and blessed is the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. You see, God has chosen us as His people. We have His inheritance coming, which is far better than any of the blessings of this nation here and now. Heaven waits for me. His presence waits for me. That is far better. You see, we are blessed even if this nation is not. Even if it becomes hostile to God, we must remember we are God's people. And we are happy and blessed because of that. And not only is He watching the world, because we are His people, He is watching over us. Verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, upon them that hope in His mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. God is going to protect and preserve His people. God is going to bring us through whatever may come. He will strengthen. He will provide he has until now in many various ways and many various times. He's not going to stop now. We must remember that. We are His people. We are blessed because we are His people. We are not necessarily blessed because we are Americans. You understand? There are His people in Afghanistan that are just as blessed because they are His people. We ought to thank God we live where we do. But our main identity is not this nation, it's Him. We are His people, that He has called for His inheritance. We have to have that as like our bedrock that we stand on, or else we're going to be so shaken up by anything that comes along. So, as this nation fades, what do we do? Do we lose hope? Do we throw in the towel? Bap, it's all over now. Look what they did. They said, I can't preach out of a Bible. They said, I can't give homosexual counsel to somebody out of the Bible. It's a crime. Do I, do I stop doing that? Do we stop singing His praises because maybe they'll close the doors and put yellow tape that says, do not enter under, perjury or under penalty of law? Do we stop? Well, first of all, you know America's not heaven, Right? This is not home. Heaven's home. We're just passing through here. And if my source of happiness, if my source of service is based on the health of this nation, I'm going to be in trouble. But if my identity is Him, then I see, hey, there's work to do regardless of what man says. I ought to obey God rather than man, shouldn't I? There's people out there that need to hear the gospel. There's people out there that need to be saved. And it doesn't matter if this nation says it's illegal or not. There are people who need to be saved. And the gospel of God is the power of, unto salvation, isn't it? So we ought to spread that gospel. There's disciples to be made, regardless of the social and political climate. 
So if things go that way, you know what we ought to do? We ought to pray. We ought to be praying now. First Timothy chapter 2 tells us this. Let me read it to you. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. That's not just, oh, please be with so-and-so. Supplications is the idea of pleading. When's the last time you pleaded for a president? It's probably easier to do that with President Trump. Did we intercess and supplicate for Obama? If Hillary is elected or if Bernie Sanders is elected or whoever, some of these people that I think are way off of biblical standard, are we going to intercede for them? The command of Scripture is to to do that. We pray, we intercess for them, verse 2, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We ought to pray for our country and her leaders that we might be able to worship in peace as we go out to spread the gospel. That is the first thing we need to do. Pray for your country. Lead your family in prayer for your country. That is not a bad thing. That is a scriptural, biblical thing. Second, we serve Him. We be faithful to follow His call. We praise and worship for all that He's done and do what He's commanded us to do. That's fitting for us. It's what we ought to do. Vote. Get out, get out there and vote. You can't complain if you don't vote. Vote for the people that are going to le- allow us to lead a quiet, peaceable life. And maybe, maybe think about this. Stop looking to man for help. Governors are not God. Presidents and Senate, whoever, they're not the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is. We serve Him. I came across this passage. I don't know if you want to turn there. We're running out of time. But Ezra, the book of Ezra, it's just a few books back to your left. If you want to turn there real quick. Something I'd like you to see. This is after captivity is over. Babylonian captivity. They're coming back into the land. They're rebuilding Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there. This is Ezra speaking. I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of Him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. He says, we're having a fast here. We're going to get before God for His will for all of our life. Verse 22, For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way. Stop here. They were facing persecution. Okay, They're trying to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and the nations around are giving them a hard time. And so Ezra says, We brought the people of God just to this place. We bowed before Him. Lord, we need Your help. He says, I could have gone to the king and asked for help. He says, But... I was ashamed to do that, to ask for soldiers for protection, because they had the favor of the king at this time. To ask for protection and horsemen and all that. I was ashamed to go ask for that. Why? Middle of verse 22. Because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all that forsake him. You see, they had told the king some things about God. 
Oh, God is good. He helps His people. And anybody who stands against Him, oh, they face the wrath of God. Scriptural things. Things that Ezra and his people had spoken. And he says, I'm not going to go to the king to ask for help when we're in a hard time. You know what that would make us look like? Like God is not God. If we speak these things about God being great, why am I going to go ask man for help? If I truly believe that God is for His people and He will work for us, why am I going to go ask for for protection from the world? Ezra said, no, I'm not going to do that. Verse 23, so we fasted and besought our God for this, and He was entreated of us. (laughs) Do we really believe what we say about God? Then we ought to pray like it. Perhaps we should stop hoping or asking for the government to make it easier on us. Maybe we should stop hoping and sometimes begging for their help. And maybe we ought to get before the Creator of all things, our God, our Father, and cry out for His help in the situation. Lord, You see what's going on in this country? Help us. Give us the way, not only for me, but give us the path for our little ones and all of our substance, Lord. You work, You show us, You lead. Because I believe if we as a people, not as a nation, we as a people will get before our God in prayer, in true seeking His face, He will be entreated of us. He will listen and He will guide. Don't go ask the king for help. I like that phrase. I was ashamed to require of the king anything when I had told him about the goodness of our God. Because our hope is not in man's power, it's in God's power, right? Let's finish up. verse Back in Psalm 33, verse 20 says this, Our soul waiteth for the Lord. We don't wait for man, we wait for God, right? Our soul waits in Him. He is our help and our shield. Up until now, there have been laws. There has been a constitution that has helped and has shielded us. That very soon may be stripped away. And who will stand as our defender and protector? God Almighty. Don't we sing that? The Ancient of Days is my shield. He is my help. For our hearts shall rejoice in Him, because we have trusted in His holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. See, our hope is in him. Our expectation is in him, not the stuff. Praise God for the stuff. If he has allowed us to have it, it's a blessing. It is a blessing straight from him, but it's not God. Praise God for the nation that we live in and the freedoms that we enjoy, but the nation itself is not our hope. Even the freedom that we have is not our hope. God is our hope. Our expectation, our soul waits for him. Now listen, I love this country and we will fly that flag as long as it stands for freedom. We will salute it. We will defend it. We will honor its soldiers. We will be proud to be Americans. But I'm even more proud to be a child of God. And if America slips away, I am still God's son. I am still His precious, purchased possession. And if it gets darker, if it gets worse, 
I will still lift my voice in praise to the one who is higher than all, the one who is God, the one who is my help and my shield. And I will rejoice in him because I have trusted in his name. And his word is right. And his works are true. We ought to pray for his mercy to continue to be upon us. Mercy that has allowed us to be where we are and the freedom that we enjoy to worship him so freely. But even as we see that fade, we ought to praise him for who he is. And praise him so that others may know too. Don't get distracted by things going on. Don't get fearful by things going, uh, things that we may hear that may happen. No, in the face of all of it, we ought to praise and proclaim Him. There are too many people, too many churches that have thrown up their hands, said it's too late now, the only thing left is Jesus coming back, we're just going to hunker down and sit and wait till He comes back. Who says? Did somebody, did somebody cancel the Great Commission and I didn't hear? Because I'm pretty sure Jesus said, Go! in my power, and make disciples. And lo, I am with you always, even to what? The end of the age. Has the end of the age happened yet? No, we're still here. That means we still go, and God still goes with us. There's no call to sit back and close the doors and wait for Him. Legal, illegal, free, oppressed, it doesn't matter. We've got a command from our Lord, and He goes with us. Maybe we ought to get out there and spread the gospel a little more. You see, one of the most beautiful, one of the most helpful things that we can do in these confused times is to stand as God's people in His power, praising Him for who He is and what He's done, and telling everybody else about Him. That's going to be the best thing that we can do. Not to gripe and complain about who's running for what, but to praise and exalt and extol the one who holds all things in his hands. That's what America needs. They need God in their culture. And we are the ones who are going to speak him into it. But as always, that starts with me. It starts with you, right? In our own hearts and our own lives. My heart has to be in the right place first. He has to be my focus First, and if my focus is off, then I'm not going to be living like I should. Maybe we, maybe we need to get back there today. Just think of this, okay? Can you imagine the impact God's people could have if all of us had a right heart? Not, we're not distracted. Stuff is in its right place. All our possessions, they're in the right place in the right perspective. We're not focused on that. Our, our health and and Living conditions is all in its right place and we're not focused or distracted by that. If all of God's people, they had the right kind of heart and they had the right kind of focus and praise was just pouring out of them. Everywhere we went, praise is pouring out of us and we're taking Him to those around us, walking and living in that great commission. Do you understand? It could be that this nation could turn back to God. You're going to tell me revival is impossible? Don't you know who you serve? You serve God. 
the one who can do abundantly above all that we ask or think. If we had that right kind of heart, we could see a revival within our churches. We could see a revival within His work. And yes, we could even see a revival within His nation, within this nation. But that's up to me and you, isn't it? Maybe my heart needs to be in the right place to get back to a place of praise for Him and who He is. And to know, yeah, some things are going south, but God is my help, and God is my shield, and He is still worthy to be praised, worthy of all of my heart and all of my life. I love America. I love her. I love being a part of this nation. It's a wonderful blessing from God. But I love God more. And being part of His people And knowing what his inheritance is is far better than anything this nation offers. That's what I need to speak to those around about me. And my heart has got to be in the right place first. I pray this morning that all of our hearts would be in the place they need to be. Even as we see this nation going the way it is, that we would lift our hearts in praise to God and understand that he is our help and he is our shield. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the many blessings you've given us. I thank you for all that you've poured upon us in your grace and your mercy. Thank you for this nation and the freedoms that you've given us to live in this time that we have, Lord, that has been truly a blessing. I pray that we haven't taken it for granted, Lord, but instead that even as we see society turning its back on you more and more, that we would speak you to them, Lord. We would take the gospel out, that your word would be known and people would... Hear about your grace and your salvation, Lord. I ask that you continue to be our help and our shield and help our hearts to be in the right place even this morning as we look into our own lives. I thank you for all that you've done, all that you've given us. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen.